The Broncos would have already been fired up for this one. I'm getting all fired up. I'm all fired up and lonesome. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, welcome and thank you for joining us on Fire Up on the Diamantina Media Network. I'm here with an ebullient Redfern Pat, all smiles from a victory over Chris Gale's hapless Tigers and Chris Gale brave and resilient again after his Tigers lost to Redfern Pat's bunnies. I'm Dennis Carnahan and while I'm still feeling somewhat mellowed by COVID, you know what's getting me fired up? Of course you do. Rugby League and the influence it has on music, science, culture, the arts and the music, the influence they have on it. But conspicuously not joining us today, despite promises, is Brendan Cowell. Much like his club's number one ticket holder, he's gone to ground after weeks of loss after loss after loss. Poor Brendan is yet to learn the most fundamental point of Rugby League. It's not about winning. We've discussed this before. Only one in 16 teams wins. It's about loss and how you deal with it, how brave you can be and how resilient you can be. And one of the wonderful things about losing over and over again is the drama and theatre this applies to the coaches and the speculation over their future. We've already lost one with Blue Steel Barrett allegedly falling on his sword as it was thrust into him by the Gus Gould. But there may well be another one soon. There must be another one soon. The rugby league public and the murder press demand there be another one soon. Chris Gale, the honeymoon from back-to-back Hastings and Brooks field goals wins over the eels and bunnies is well and truly over. Is your man Madge a dead man walking? Dennis Carnahan, he's not a dead man walking, but he's certainly a dead coach walking. Now, before we get into it, uh, I will just say that Brendan Cowell did send his profuse apologies, but we've been bumped for the fan. As oh. for someone who's been on the fan, it's totally understandable because I think they've got a Vossi and Lara have slightly more reach than Redo. But uh, and, and and he does have books to sell. He does, and he's leaving the country. So there you go. Um, look, the I've gone to the source in terms of where Madge Maguire sits today as we record this podcast as the mid-season reviewers. And can you tell us what the source is? Yeah, Lee Hedger would tell us. And uh, the, chair the chair and principal sponsor, our independent chair of the West Tigers. Uh, anyway, the independent... Okay, review- so you're saying that Lee Hadjibatalis, the independent chair, is he's a better source than, for instance, Buzz Rossfield or Paul Kent? Well, that's a good question. Uh, because I-, I want you to consider the veracity and quality of what I have to say when I quote Lee. But this comes as the mid-season performance review continues apace, where apparently we needed to be on 10 competition points. And unless the buy this week is worth four, we won't be. Lee says this, I am, a f- and I won't do the voice, right? Uh, I am a firm believer in the old adage that you don't buy a dog so you can bark yourself. Tim Sheens is... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can immediately tell us, Lee, can't you? Tim has been brought in for that role, so he'll let us know what, if anything, needs to be done so this club can get back on track. Apparently, we're off the track. As of today, and this answers your question, 31st May 2022, Michael Maguire is the contracted head coach of the West Tigers, and there is nothing before me to indicate that will change. But will I guarantee anyone's employment, whether it be the head coach or head of commerce, I don't know who that is at the Tigers, or the CEO's role? No, I will not give that guarantee. 
The issuing of guarantees has certain legal ramifications. Uh-huh. At the moment, we are somewhat disappointed with where we are sitting at the moment, at the moment on the table. Short thing, summary, Madge is gone. So, <laughs> and, and I, for one, will miss him. Uh, I love the bloke. We've met the bloke uh, on a couple of occasions. I made him cry when I made him reflect on the 2014 grand final win for South Sydney, which he steered. And I cried that night as well because South Sydney won the premiership. <laughs> Candidates, Cameron Seraldo, perfect, wonderful pedigree. Penrith, you know, groomed under the, the person I like most in the world, Ivan Cleary. Right? Yeah. And he's no chance. <laughs> so do you know who our top candidate is? So you're saying Cameron Seraldo is no chance. Because he's normally he's normally the the bait and switch. He's whenever someone says we're going to sack the coach, well, who are you going to get? Well, Cameron Seraldo's available, right now. Seraldo, I mean, Oof. Ivan's taken him, you know, into his little evil lair and said, and this is where I'd be concerned if I'm Cameron Seraldo because he says if you sign your extension, which he's apparently looking at right now, uh, I will do the orderly transition of power in a few years' time, and you'll take the reins at the high flying Penrith Panthers. I say to Cameron Seraldo. Go ring up Conan O'Brien and talk to him about the discussion he had with Jay Leno and the five years transition of power. But I tell you what, it's an easier transition because as we'll discuss later in the podcast, the transition that Craig Fitzgibbon has made to the somewhat beleaguered Cronulla Sharks comes with strings attached. So Seraldo Panthers into Panthers makes a lot of sense. So the lead candidate right now, as I sit here looking at you, Dennis, and not looking at Redfern, Pat is Bomber Morris, John Bomber Morris. Bomber Morris. He played for us. He played for everybody, mind you. Yep. Now, he was, of course, sacked by the Sharks. Yes, he was, uh, even though he piloted them to the top eight, which uh, yeah. which would look good on anyone's CV applying for the Tigers. All his KPIs were met. That's right. I've taken someone to the top eight since the Gillard administration. <laughs> Sign here. <laughs> and Bomber Morris, with all the other clubs he played for, Parramatta, Newcastle, et cetera, et cetera, he's got West Tigers DNA, or as... <laughs> As Gus Gould would say, he's a West Tigers boy. Brett Kamali is ready to stand up as the interim coach. Is he? I, for one, wish it isn't going to happen, but apparently is. And is there anything more rugby league that we will most likely, by the time we resume on this podcast, which could could be never, but we will resume, Michael Maguire will have been sacked as West Tigers coach and announced as the new coach of the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs. So you so, who's the other one that lurks around? Shane Flano. So, Flano's no go for the Tigers. No DNA for the Tigers. What about DNA for the Bulldogs with his son playing halfback? Issues with no. Gus. Flanagan, he's been campaigning too much. The, the trouble with Flanagan, he's got a, he's got a foot in every camp. Mm-hmm. And because he's a commentator, he finds himself occasionally critical of the camps he's got feet in. Doesn't work. Yeah. So, so you're saying this And is no a, this one wants to touch Paul Green, particularly around origin time. Like Paul Green had just be going, actually, you know, I kind of got the juices flowing again. And he starts picking up the phone and everyone remembers how his origin stint went and they just yeah. politely put them back down again. Yeah. And then if you're going to talk about origin stints and Brett Kamali and origin, <laughs> everyone's going to just remember that one pass. That you know that, you know what threw. though? You go back to, and I can't quite give the year and Redfern Pat might be able to provide us, but there was a year where the Australians, in the, year, in the era where they used to go and play three test series, mm. And they played against Great Britain. It might even be the beginning of uh, Sam Burgess's run as an international player. And Brett Kamali, we were basically behind at three-quarter time, not that there's such a thing, in each test. And Brett Kamali took us to a three-zip victory in the green and gold. 2003. Thank you. Wow. Like Ricky Stewart did when he threw that intercept pass and then he took an intercept and ran length of field. Is that 94? Oh, uh, that was 1990. 
1990. Wasn't that magnificent? Yeah, wow. Eight minute, uh, was it seven minute drill? Old Trafford. Oh, yeah, it was beautiful. Greatest try ever, Cliff Lyons. So from what uh, speech by Lee Hadjipatelis, um, he's, say, he's saying that a contract in rugby league, that he, he's under contract at the moment. Yeah. And that legally he can't guarantee that contract. Now, hang, hang on a second. So if you sign a contract to say that you're going to be doing this, are you saying that in rugby league that contract is meaningless? Dennis, just like in music, we've gone from analog to digital. Right. Right. So when you hear discussions now about contracts, they are digital. Therefore, they're incapable of being torn up. Right. So it's they're just a vibe thing. It's like... There are, there are many things... Gee, I don't, I don't really want to quote the castle, but I just did. It's like in many things in life, people have realised they can wake up on a particular day and go, yeah, I'm not going to the office today. Um, I've decided I'm this gender. <laughs> so <laughs> the validity of a rugby league contract is only in the then and now. And Lee Hadjipatelis, who's a very esteemed solicitor and runs a very successful law firm, is very, very aware that right now... Michael Maguire's contract, rock solid. Tomorrow, yeah, <laughs> it's a different day. So you're saying that he could be prematurely released. He could have a premature release. Rugby league has a premature release problem. And I think we can all, all the gentlemen listening around here at some particular point might be able to identify with this problem. And I've actually coined a term. Dennis, as to what's happening in rugby league, and it's quite a difficult term to get your it's, mouth it's around. Not, so it's not, so to speak. it's not premature celebration because that, that's there's been a, a blight of that on the game. We've had you know, young Xavier Savage celebrating a try wonderfully in Indigenous round, and you'd have it disallowed, and then they lost. That was disappointing. And is anyone calling him Xavier out of interest? Uh, people who uh, don't know how to speak are calling him Xavier, Exy, yeah. <laughs> but no, it's Xavier. No, I've got a different name for it. Oh, have you? Premature contractualization. <laughs> Premature contractulations. This is where the, the contract terminates prematurely. It's essentially where someone's looking for a premature release. Right. In other words, before they the term. They choose to have a premature release. That's right. You know, they're, Very they're, selfish. They're thinking they? only of themselves. <laughs> Very selfish. And it is a blight on our game right now, and there are a number of live examples that we should go Can, through. Well, so obviously we've got this one live one of being Madge, possibly. We've just had one with the for, sword fall. Who else have we got? Is there any, What players have we got? Well... Speaking of Madge, he took Ryan Madison to the 18th man in the Origin team. Not that that means much, hello, Campbell Graham. But Ryan Madison has been confirmed as in the Origin squad for Game 1, June 8, uh, Acor Stadium, New South Wales versus Queensland for the Blues. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's, it's a heady time for... <laughs> it's a heady time for Ryan Madison. He's just emailed in and we've got an injunction and I can't talk about it anymore. No, I can't. <laughs> Uh, and so there's a bit of press around him. And of course, despite Freddie's ban on contract discussions, it seems like he gave an interview just yesterday about the fact that he's been to Redcliffe to visit the great Wayne Bennett. And Madison has walked away impressed. He goes, it was pretty cool. Wayne is a ball of knowledge, really. I didn't realise how much of a character he was. Doesn't he, <laughs> does, does he watch any rugby league show not ever? not listen to Fire Up. He's <laughs> one of our favourites. I had a good old time. Some of the stories were saying were pretty funny. Uh, it was honestly, how hokey is this? It was a good little trip. Obviously, it had to be a quick one, hence premature release. I had to think about my next game. He said he wanted me to go there. The rest is up to my manager. Wayne is a good man, but Wayne knows I have to make a decision on what's best for Ryan Madison. Ah, uh, so he's taking the third person, right? So this is one of the contexts by which the modern rugby league player looking to advance their interests. 
they have to find someone or something that they're doing it for. It can't just be for the money. And Maddo, of course, left the Tigers for the Eels for the money. And now he's finagling what could be another early release, but probably won't be, from the Parramatta Eels. And it can't be for the money. It's for himself, Dennis. It's the ultimate selfishness. Ryan Madison. Now, now that'll just... get Peter Fitzsimons absolutely worked up, and he might be able to write a column about Ryan instead of about stadiums and concussions. Just want to check Redcliffe. So he went to Redcliffe. Apparently, is Redcliffe anywhere near Bangor? Uh, not that I'm. Well, uh, uh, there's a Bangor it, in, in England, I think. There's well, there is a Bangor Street in Salt in Sunnybank. There's a Bangor in New South Wales, but because I'm hearing from what I heard from that interview. Didn't we have a lovely time the day we went to Redcliffe? That's right. It, it, it sounds a lot like that classic 70s song. Write yourself, Dennis. In other words, you need to write that. <laughs> yes, it does. Okay. And, and I'm curious as to what day he, he did this because uh, we had posted in Fire Ups Blowing Up Deluxe that Wayne himself has had a day trip down to the Arara Valley. Has he? And was in the shed. It was in the dressing little uh, change room or the, the dugout for the Arara Valley Axemen with Sam. So is it going to be a tie-in with the Arara Valley Axemen and the Dolphins? I don't see why not. Uh, Sam could play for them. Sam could make a comeback. But who else have we got? Who else is their premature contractulation? Okay, so Matt Lodge. Ah, talk, another talk, favourite of the show. Talk about your premature release. He got an immediate release... <laughs> from the Warriors. There's no appellation in front of the Warriors. Yep, the it's, Warriors. It's not Auckland. No. It's not New Zealand. I believe it's actually Vodafone. I don't even think it's Vodafone. I just think it's the Warriors. The Warriors, days. okay. And there was a lot of speculation that he and Ewan Aiken wrote to the Warriors and said, this has been terrific. The five-star accommodation up here in Redcliffe, there's Redcliffe again. It's again. obviously a hotbed, right? Has been fantastic. The idea of me going to Mount Smart Stadium, I'm not taking my family to that wintry hellhole. And Warriors owner Mark Robinson said, sweet, you're good. Here's $700,000 not to play with us this season and part of next, next season. And people go, well, that doesn't sound right. And so did you hear what it was all about? Well, so from, from looking at the history, it can't be about money because it's never about it's money. It's never about money. We've established it, was, that. It about, was it about doing what's best for Matt Lodge? Well, you would think that Lodge is looking for a release – that's the best for Matt Lodge and his family. And that's mm-hmm. probably true because he said, there's no way I'm going to freezing New Zealand. I mean, how good is it up here at Redcliffe? And I do believe somewhere near Bangor or somewhere near the <laughs> Belvedere Hotel in Woody Point where he had a discussion with owner Mark Robinson last year that went south, uh, there is a football team. But in fact, the release was at the instigation of the owner of the Warriors, Mark Robinson. Robbo! And, and he said, I needed to do the best thing for Matt Lodge and his family. So... Okay, so this isn't Matt Lodge in the third person doing the best thing for no. Matt Lodge. This is Robbo, yeah. the New Zealand Robbo. The owner. The, the owner. He's doing the best thing for Matt Lodge and his family. This is the type of job that everyone wants to be paid not to play for your boss because he wants to do the best thing for you and your family, which is not have you come to work. Does that $700,000 come out of their salary cap? It sure as hell does. And <laughs> so they've got to say, where do I sign up for that? Exactly. Where do right. I sign up for that job of being paid $700,000? Because I, I think it, you know, I'm, I'm a Raiders fan. If I was to go to Ricky and say, Ricky, I want to play for the Raiders, he'd go, no, no, here you go. Here's 700 grand to have you not play. If I even think for more than a second about playing rugby league, I've already broken three ribs and done a syndesmosis and broken my jaw. 
I'd be happy to take the 700 grand. I do know it's a matter of record. It's almost a deposit on a house. I, I do know it's a matter of record that Ricky Stewart paid the Canberra ownership two grand to pass on to you not to play at their end of season function. But <laughs> that's another story. Now, listen, some speculation about the incident. Uh, both parties have denied that um, uh, racism was any way involved. According to Matt Robins- uh, Mark Robinson, it was simply two alpha males going at it, two stubborn blokes having a Barney. Lodge says, not true. There was no alpha from me. I've learned that hasn't really worked out for me. So there's definitely progress for Matt Lodge and he's richer. The sad thing about all this is Coach Nathan Brown does an interview and says it's all my fault. Like, you know, like if the owner pays a high-performing prop $700,000 over two seasons not to play for him, that's how bad I'm going. So it's trouble days at the Warriors. So does that mean that he might be a dead coach walking? Uh, like I think he's in the queue. I think he's, he's, he's coming up the rear. I think... I think Has... has um. Oh, what's his name? Holbrook? Flano. <laughs> has Flano been making noises about moving to New Zealand? I think him and Kyle will come as a package. <laughs> and so that we've got Matt Lodge. We've got who else have we got? Well, why don't we hear from? And he's really emerged this year as a spokesperson for the game. I think in a way that we never imagined possible. Why don't we hear from Corey Parker? Talking about man of the moment pain. Frontline Corey. That's frontline Corey. <laughs> man of the moment pain Haas. It's horrific. I mean, to, let's just rewind where, when Payne Haas first got to the club. He was an 18-year-old. He was signed on a four-year deal after three games and a, re, and a shoulder rico. Never in the club's history before have they done that. In that time, in that time, they have off their own bat through goodwill upgraded his deal. Normally when a club upgrades, they want an extension. Yep. Didn't do that. Upgrade. Since that time, they've also helped him through misdemeanours, yep. which, you know, through a four or five of those. Yep. And now he's at a stage where he's getting very well paid. Very well paid. I believe he's on somewhere around seven fifty, eight hundred thousand. There's an opportunity. I would let Painhouse go right now. Right now. You let because him go. I would let him go. Yes. Why, Corey? There's an argument. I mean, Payne gets what he wants. But from the club's perspective, if you have a player inside your four walls that does not want to be there, he's thrown all the toys out of the cot. He said, no, nah, I want immediate release. Let him go. Well, you don't well, want to play for the Broncos, yeah. don't play. Immediate release. <laughs> let him go. Boy, Corey... <laughs> He knows the way around a man, doesn't there are, he? There are a he lot wants of, immediate release. Let him go. There are a lot of men's health uh, <laughs> sponsorships going on in rugby league at the moment, and we're certainly happy to take one. But if you've got immediate and premature release problems, I think he's... Corey Parker. Yeah, you, you, could, you could sort of start a treatment with the sort of the branding, keep your toys in the cot or something keep like that. Keep your toys in the cot. Until the right time. I don't know. And Corey Parker, Corey Parker, attorney at law, will give you... A happy ending, <laughs> but you hate to see it. Ex- contract. You hate to hate to see an ex Broncos fired up as Corey. And really, what's happened here has ended up with the very, very unseemly occurrence of Payne Haas being booed by his own Bronco fan base last last week as they now, took on the. It was unseemly, Titans. but wasn't it a tremendous sound? The, the, <laughs> the sound. There's something when you hear the Lang Park crowd booing. You know that something good's actually happening. And I think it inspired the Broncos on the comeback. Now. When you look- who, who was it that was a co- was one of the coaches? I think his his very own coach, Kevy. He said to Kevy, "Oh, I'm a bit you know put off by the bit rattled." And Kevy's like, "Dude, you're playing Origin next <laughs> couple of weeks time. How do you think you're going to go, champion for New South Wales?" 
And we're trying to get to what who, what it's been done for. It can be done for yourself, but okay. not money. It can be done for you. Uh, the, the, the owner could do it for your family, but it's not money. But the Payne Haas thing, it's a whirlpool. Mm. Because first of all, he's been very clear on this. Even though he's looking for an extra $1.6 million on top of a $3.2 million contract, he's saying, it's not about the money. I just want less years. The Broncos are offering me too many years. And he's gone... <laughs> Have a look. Have so a look. hang on, he wants the same amount of money, but less years. Something like that. I, the maths is complicated, and you know, and he's because put- I, I want for my home loan, which I don't have. I want there to be the same amount of money, but just less years and, and less interest and smaller payments, and have it gone quicker. It can that, is that the pain house mathematics? Are we getting into rugby league mathematics now? Well, he's got the dream team behind him. He's got his actual manager, Tyron Smith, who's got a Ty- bit. Of- Bit, yeah. bit, bit of West Tigers DNA. In he's got, and he's got Canberra Raiders DNA. And, and he's Sa- got South Sydney as well. We know from him losing his pants a couple of times that that is no spray tan. That's no, that's that tan is all over. Beautiful. Coda Nasser, of course. Uh, ah. I think I think Isaac Moses might be floating around in the background there. But he's he's not registered, so he's that's right, yeah. and not directly in the conversation. And then mm. just sprinkling his magic dust all over things. Sonny Bill Williams, right? So it really is the dream team. So we've got Nasser and SBW. And of course, NASA and SBW, they had a wonderful thing a few years ago with the Bulldogs, didn't they? Absolutely, they did. They were able to somehow engineer a very, very premature release for Sonny Bill Williams. Just within the space of a week, he's gone from signed up for the life to walking off and playing French rugby league. Or was it rugby? French, French rugby. French rugby. Right. So we, we feel like we're in similar um, territory here. And of course, who's the voice piece? Danny Weidler. Danny Weidler. And Danny Weidler reveals that for Payne, it's not about the money. No. It's not necessarily about the length of contract because when he ran that argument in front of the Broncos, he said, well, look at those long-term contract people who are being very, very successful, uh, who, who are playing really badly. Jason Talmalolo, Ben Hunt, Daly Cherry Evans. And he goes, okay, that argument doesn't work. So he's gone on to the performance-based argument, Dennis. <laughs> We've just lost Dennis for a moment here, but we'll persist. So he told Channel 9 that his motivation for wanting an immediate and premature release from the Broncos was not be record- because they refused his request for more money, but because he wanted to win a premiership with the Broncos could not guarantee. So all I'm worried about is winning games, and I want to play finals footy. I haven't played finals in two years, and I want to go for a premiership soon. That's all that matters. Mm-hmm. So he's not. It's, but does this actually work? Because when's he saying this? Because haven't they just gone on a six-week winning streak? So what Smith, NASA, Moses, and SBW failed to take into account is exactly that: the Broncos have gone on a six-game winning streak. So this is Payne Haas, who's I believe described our Kevy, everyone's favourite Kevy, as um, the worst of the Walters brothers. <laughs> And the problem is he's now a winning coach because he's got six back to back to back to back to back. Right now he's to the back. right now he's the winningest coach with a six game winning streak. So you've scrolled through the reasons at the age of twenty two. It's not for the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it can't be because long term deals don't work because they now do. It can't be about um, I want to win somewhere because the team is high flying. So you go back to the well, Dennis. And Payne Haas has gone back to the well in an interview with Brent Reed overnight. Ooh, he says. I'm not doing it for me. I'm not necessarily doing it for my family. I'm actually doing it for my daughter's family. His daughter's family? One year Hang old. on. Uh, Payne is 22? 
Yes. He's, he's, how old is his daughter? One. One. So he's doing it for the future progeny of his one-year-old daughter. Correct. One-year-old Lolita Huss. Intergenerational wealth building. Isn't that unbelievable? This is the type of thing that Peter Costello was banging on about decades ago, right? Wasn't he? So it's no longer that I'm doing it for my family. I'm doing it for future generations, right? It's wow. a very, very compelling argument. Very However, generous. However, one problem. He's taken this final argument to the Broncos management and an unnamed Broncos official was quoted. And I, I know who it is. The unnamed Broncos official said, not in a billion years, pain. It's clearly Iken, right? I oh, mean, yeah. The man knows his way in brown numbers in a spreadsheet. Yeah, but he knows what a billion is. And Iken, Iken has got on top of the issue because I've never heard this before. A player came coming in and saying, I want to do what's best for some, <laughs> some future family. And he goes... Well, I'm ruling you out for the next billion years. So I guess what Payne did was throw the toys out of his cot. So we've gone through premature contractulation. And in state of origin, I don't think there are contracts. There's no guarantees. There's no nothing. There's just good old-fashioned loyalty. And how's that gone with selections this week? Well, old Leatherface Fittler. Mm -hmm. Chainsaw Fittler himself. (laughs) He's kind of selectively wielded the chainsaw. There's been a couple of unfortunate victims Josh Adokar, which I think is a victim of where he placed himself, which is Canterbury-Bankstown, mm. soon to be coached by Madge McGuire. Jake Trevojevic, who we highlighted on this show, the most infringing player in the NRL this season. Old and slow. Old and slow. And as Freddie says, you can't be picking and sticking with everyone because everyone will be 34 and still in the team. So there's been a little bit of pruning with the chainsaw, if you like. So it's more of a trimmer, more of a hedge trimmer. Yeah, and... And what's been really interesting is, and what I'd like to explore here, Dennis, is getting up up close and personal with the two coaches. So, Freddie, we know a fair bit about, but a fair bit has come to light over the weekend about exactly his ADHD nature. Okay, so we know that he likes bare feet, feeling the grass, feeling the magic coming out of the spirit of the ground. We know that he likes a chainsaw. Get this. Mm-hmm. When the Sun-Herald visited him at his new property at Terry Hills in Sydney North, the journo was greeted by a team of gardeners at Freddie's front gate, followed by a vet who had concerns for Freddie's seven-year-old German shepherd, Evie's hearing. There was a sponsor's lunch. Straight back home to greet a young group of Indigenous men who were carrying out a cool burn, which helped protect his property ahead of next summer's bushfire season. Um, he worked in Channel 9 Studios that night, 
Watch watch son Zach play a GPS rugby game for Scots College at St. Joseph's and then settle in to watch three games of rugby league. Freddie said, I realized a long time ago, I can't be idle. It's not good for me. This man wields a chainsaw and he's running such an exhausting program, Dennis. I really, really fear for not just him, but the New South Wales players. And there was no better evidence of this that he actually talked about the fact that he's lost Craig Fitzgibbon, who's now fully occupied with coaching the Cronulla Sutherland Sharks. Mm. Do you know who replaced Craig Fitzgibbon? I have no idea. Former St. George Illawarra great Mary McGregor. Mary McGregor, the saint. And Freddie says, I have trouble telling Fitzy and Mary apart. Now, Ooh, hang on. He's, he's treading on dangerous territory here. It does sound like baldism, doesn't it? It does sound like baldism. Like all bald people look alike. Yes. But I think it's something more deep-rooted than that. I think that Freddie is on the precipice of a burnout. And he'll be doing exactly what Brian To'o will be doing when he's um, peppered with highballs during the Origin 1 fixture out at Acor Stadium. So what's Brian To'o going to do? So To'o said... Um, whether he's been marked up by Xavier Coates, not Xavier, or by... Um, the Papua New Guinea boy, Xavier yeah, Coates. Yeah, Boone Kid, Selburn, Cobbo. This is what Toho said as the high ball is coming in. I will just try and tighten the glutes and get up there. That's the way to do it. Squeeze the glutes and hope for the best. So is he just sort of clenching himself for the effort or is he actually going to go bum up? Into the so he's going to catch it between the glutes with his butt. Isn't that how you crack a walnut? Isn't that <laughs> isn't that the idea? I tell you what, it's revolutionary. And Freddie's had them with their shoes off, earthing in the past. You will see <laughs> both Brian Tao and the the somewhat less height challenged Daniel Tupu taking on the bomb in a very very different way. Come Origin one next week. Well, that's very exciting. Is he going? And, and we were discussing before Tyron Smith. Is he going to do this with the trousers down so we can see the glutes flex? You won't be able to tell what his actual sun profile is because we know all the Kardashians get the fake tan. Yeah, like, and they, and they'd be all over. They'd do it full nud when oh, they get totally. the fake tan. <laughs> totally nuded up because then he like the buttocks. They are very active when you're doing a jump. They're the most important part of a jump. They're where you get your lift. That thrust. This is this comes is, from your buttocks. This is why so we're getting buttock thrust. This is why he's from the tall. This is why he's the post-contact meter king because of his buttocks squeezing the glutes. <laughs> and it takes us back to Kangaroo. Who was it that wrote Kangaroo? Was it T.S. Eliot that wrote Kangaroo? And he said, watching the Thirul Butchers Rugby League team when he was out here, he said, "I was impressed by their high and upstanding buttocks." This is the early 1900s. Buttocks. Me being me, the minute that you said kangaroo, I thought it was a reference to Paul Sirenin, okay. who, of course, was famously nicknamed the buttocks by Roy and HG. <laughs> Billy Slater. Billy Slater. So he's the other coach. Outed this week as an Ellen DeGeneres fan, they came across a bit of footage of him actually in the audience at a taping of Ellen before the controversy. Hang on, this is real? This is real. And <laughs> Sorry, it's D.H. Lawrence, not T.S. Eliot. D.H. Lawrence. The right kangaroo. Well, no, it's Ellen DeGeneres. Oh, okay. <laughs> and yes, he was there. He apparently danced, you know, as Ellen was prone to dance. And they weren't able to uh, de-archive footage of that. But certainly, uh, Billy was in the minority in terms of the uh, the makeup of the audience. But yes, he's an Ellen DeGeneres fan. He's now the, Not a lot of jockeys in there. Not, not a lot, lot of fullbacks. Not a lot of jockeys. Not a, not a lot of future immortals. Not a, not a lot of or, ex-Origins. Not a lot of fogs, former <laughs> Origin greats. But... I am interested in Billy's pedigree. I'm I'm interested to see if, as Ellen came out, he went, 
Oh, wow. <laughs> well, certainly what how he reacted to being appointed the origin coach, because as Billy says, and I quote, I have never coached before, like at any level. And so he's really nailing his colours to the mask. He's also gone on to say that we are not the underdogs, which is very un-Queensland-like, isn't it? That's completely un-Queensland. That's like saying they're not going to have a virus, a mystery illness, go through the camp. Yeah, because Billy has said he doesn't know right now what type of coach he wants to be, but this is what he says he's going to be. <laughs> I've been asked this question a whole heap over the last couple of months, and but I'm sure I'll make mistakes. I'm sure I'm going to revolve over time, um, but... So he's taking the revolving door policy That's right. of a coach. That's right. <laughs> that would tend to be a reactive coach revolving as opposed to a proactive coach evolving. evolving. Yeah. Uh, but there's more from Billy. Um, he's coaching the Maroons while living in Melbourne. Now, oh, out of, so he's an out-of-area candidate. Hasn't he seen what happened to Christina Keneally? What a disgrace that was. <laughs> you can't parachute coaches into jurisdictions. I'm telling you that right now. And But he's relying pretty much like Mal did. I don't know if you remember. I always can't forget the footage of a Queensland being beaten in an origin game and Paul Aldali Cherry Evans has been taken into the rooms having suffered an injury. And there was Mal already in the rooms checking the pizza boxes to see, <laughs> see what was on offer. See, meanwhile, he left. Meanwhile, one, one M. Hagen was still up in the box while the game was going. And Billy has assembled a glittering array of Queensland legends to be his assistants, Dennis. Who'll actually do the work. Can I name them for you? Oh, please. Cameron. Smith. Smith. He's back. Jonathan Thurston. JT. <laughs> Greg Inglis. Greg Inglis. And drumroll, please. Oh, this is the last one. Missed the conversion in the 2005 grand final. Josh Hannay. Josh Hannay. <laughs> Hannay led recovery for Queensland. <laughs> Uh, I can't well, wait. Well, he's, he's been the famous. He's been a standing coach three or four times, hasn't he? Yes, he's he's been in and around the, the, the joint for some time. And he's the most famous uh, Gomea Gorilla. Yeah, and Billy's Is that him. Yeah, that's that's Hannah. And he's called. Uh, Billy's had phone conversations with Wayne. Um, ah. Mal is still there. Can't get Unlike rid of him. Jason Demetrio, who won't have that's, phone conversations with that's Wayne. Right. So it's um it's going to be a great fixture. I assume you'll be working. I'll be working on the first one, right. most definitely. I'll be watching that. And um, we know that, you know, you really need to win the first one. If you don't, you need definitely win the second one. Oh, I've heard we, that before. We know all that. We might, we might have to deal with that uh, later next week in the pre-origin special. Um, but that is, that is wonderful to hear. So we've got two quite nuts coaches for origin. Two great characters. It makes a change, doesn't it? It does make a change. But let's change topic completely on something that's... It's going to, I'm finding it very emotional, and that is, of course, Jared Croker. Toots, Raiders stalwart. He's stalled, a stalled stalwart, uh, nine games short of 300. Wow. He's the second high. Like he's, he's behind Croker. Uh, well, Croker. Has him. He's behind Smith. Smith off for scoring. For scoring oh, points. No. Club legend, played for such a long time. Now, he's had that re revolutionary stem cell surgery on his knee, in the off-season, and the knee is good, and the knee is good to go. So the old body, he subluxed a shoulder early in the season. Was that his, was that his kicking knee? It wasn't his the, – the, the, the it was his kicking shoulder. It wasn't his kicking shoulder. No, I'm taking, going back uh, to the knee. Was that the knee of the leg that missed the, the kick in 2010 no, against knee. the Tigers? It was, it was the supporting knee. So I just bring back that's, some that's good memories. That's the one, yeah. By the way, that game, I was there. So was I, yeah. Chris. That, that's, it's also the knee that Cameron Smith liked to nudge – into the side. Oh, yes. Yeah. It was the old cold that day, I can yeah. tell you. And uh, 
but he's now so as if it's not bad enough. He he did his shoulder. Done his shoulder. What training incident? He well, he initially did it diving to make a tackle to stop a train. The Ca- Ca- Raiders Bulldogs game in Tommy, Magic Round. Tommy Turbo style. Exactly the same. But no one talked about it because he wasn't Tommy Turbo and because he's in Canberra, out of sight, out of mind. No one cares. Well, I care, Chris. I care. He's had the surgery. He was named last Tuesday. This time last week, he was named to come back for the Raiders. But Huzzah. that very night, last Tuesday night, he's sitting there. He's watching NRL 360, and he's gone, I've had enough of this crap. I can't take it. He's reached out to pick up the remote, and as he's lifted the remote, his shoulder has dislocated. And this says if, if you haven't had the shoulder surgery to re-pin the shoulder back together, they can go at any time. It's, how many players previously have had this happen where the TV remote has dislocated their shoulder? Didn't um, David Kidwell do something similar? Or was that a shower incident? The shower incident was, of course, um, that was Tommy Turbo with his hamstring. It wasn't the race on the Corso. It was uh, slipping over. Yes. Kidwell was at a barbecue when he was playing. He was two games into his South contract. Yes. And his, his infant child was behind him. He tripped over and did his ACL. <laughs> so it wasn't a Tongs incident. I tell you what, though. This is the, the danger of the modern game. And I tell you who I blame here, Dennis. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, I blame the onset of cable television. Yeah, because when you and I grew up, there were just four options, and the television. Uh, no, no, no. In Canberra, there was two. There was Cap Seven. <laughs> oh, sorry, I and there was ABC. It. Now, if you, if someone had an illegal aerial, like if you're up in the up on a, up, had some friends in Ainsley who were at the foot of the mountain, and they had it, you weren't allowed to have TV aerials, antennas on your roof. A couple of them had these dodgy antennas that were surrounded by trees in the yard. They could pick up RVN two Wagga or Win four Wollongong, which was the nine. So we had seven, nine, and ten right. on illegal antennas. Right, but in Canberra Central, it was a binary relationship. That was it, and it's just a, a click with a with a with a wrist. Well, beautifully, it was because ABC was on Channel Two, and <laughs> Channel Seven was on Seven. It was dick, 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 dick. right. But you were located. You could only do it on the set itself, and your arm is in in, in a correct channel changing position. Exactly. My understanding is Croker when he reached for the remote, it wasn't just reaching for it; it was reaching behind because he's probably. <sighs> enjoying himself watching 360 in a horizontal position on the ground, on the carpet, and he said, I've had enough of this, and he's reached back, and there you go. Oh, and that's what's popped it out. Right, and the trouble is, cable TV, right, a lot of options, a lot of reasons to change the remote, okay? Yeah. And then on comes streaming. Now, Wayne Bennett, recently we've been talking about the fact that Jai Arrow was not allowed to ride his hog, his Harley, when Bennett was coach, because Bennett is an attention to detail guy. Don't absolutely. believe all the stuff about being this person manager stuff. He absolutely goes down to the fine detail. Demetrio comes in, he goes, wipe yourself out, Joe, knock myself out, get on that bike, right? In a similar fashion, Wayne would have, would have, in the modern cable TV arrangements with remotes, he'd have a regimen, he'd have a location, he'd have a special table for it. It'll all be ergonomically thought out. Ricky Stewart. Mm. Ricky... I think you suggested projector Ricky. What was his introduction to beyond the free to air channels? What was well when he joined Super League, mm-hmm. um, he would have got a free one, right? And I don't, I don't believe that his Galaxy set top box has changed <laughs> since then. He's still, he's still trying to it. trying to get he's trying to connect that Optus TV that fell apart at the grand final <laughs> to what he's trying to get right yeah. now. And there's no way that I can believe that Ricky's over streaming. Like he just, he just. Oh, he has no idea about streaming. Would, no. It, so therefore, he doesn't realise how much the modern player relies on and uses that remote. I mean, 
you and I aren't players, fact. But, you know, we're there during a game. If we're watching the game, it's the remote in one hand. It's the phone in the other. Mm. You're constantly RSIing yourself. Because what worries me is he, he hasn't... Jared obviously hasn't been sent that new remote from Fox where you press the microphone button and you go, get this shit off my television. <laughs> <laughs> and you'd say, Siri, give me anything but NRL 360. So if the NRL coaches are out there listening, and I know that them are, and Michael Maguire, who soon won't be... Uh, well, he soon will be for the Bulldogs. <laughs> That's, sorry. <laughs> I stand corrected. Uh, it's beholden on you to get out and understand this maxim. And this is something that I've discovered through years of research, Dennis. Mm-hmm. Most accidents occur in the home. Oh, well, there you go. Now, we've mentioned there uh, Wayne Bennett and his coaching. And we mentioned earlier that Wayne Bennett was spotted at the Arara Valley Axemen. Speaking of which, Chris, do you have any Arara Valley axes to grind? It's a new Hoodoo Gurus album in the offing, which is very exciting news. That's tremendously exciting. Two axes, as is my want, Dennis. First of all, I went to the inaugural West Tigers Connect networking breakfast last week, last Thursday. Right. Uh, uh, your mate Jim Wilson was hosting. Jim Wilson, we need to get Jimmy on the show. We absolutely I've do. said that before. Yeah, We've yeah. got to get him on. And even more so now, given that he's a Titans fan talking at a West Tigers breakfast. Did he mention how much he was a fan of the Titans? <laughs> no, he didn't. Okay. Uh, in fact, he was pushing the NRLW wagon for the West Tigers. But, I mean, for once, the panel was outstanding. It was our independent chair and principal sponsor, Lee Hadjapatelis. Ah, and he was talking there about contracts and match, was he? Yes, yes, openly, saying, as of today, May 24th or whatever it was. Are you allowed to quote from that? or is Well, it... well let me tell you, this panel, Andrew Abdo, CEO of the NRL, currently under a contract, I assume, Paul Smith, owner of the successful Sydney Kings, have just clinched their. They've fourth just had the win NBL championship, and you can get photographed with the uh, trophy. I might put it on the fire at Facebook page just I think because you I can. And I was sitting next. To Hang t- on, the Sydney Kings won the NBL championship trophy for the first time in what a decade or something? Oh no, since two thousand five. Since two thousand, it's almost two decades, decade and a half. Chris, were you there? <laughs> I was at the 2005 game. But were you there in 2022? I had a game. So my season tickets were my partner, MJ, and my daughter, Grace. Chris, I was there and I saw them. You're ahead of me. I saw them there. And and I was sitting next to two representatives of none finer and more important a company in rugby league than Steeden, the ball guys. Right? And I hope you sucked up and networked with them. I can su- you say, can you get a Steed, Can you get a leather Steeden like an old one with the white stripes? And they had so much to tell me about where the ball is going in rugby league, oh. and there was so much discussion oh. from the from the platform about refereeing and respect and the impact of certain things on rugby league. And my axe to grind is it was Chatham House rules, and oh, I can't no. talk about any of it. So they they locked up your phones beforehand, so you couldn't do anything. God, it's frustrating. Uh, the other thing is, uh, speaking of basketball, uh, Liz Cambage has uh, released a, a press statement about the controversy involving what happened in that private scrimmage against Nigeria in the lead-up to the Olympics. I don't want to go into the issue, but simply a plea to all rugby league players, please never end any of your press statements, whether you're looking for a premature or immediate release with the words, I will be taking actionable effort to be my best self. <laughs> Just 
park it. They are my Arara Valley axes to grind. And what wonderful axes they are. But now you mentioned that in that uh, in that meeting under the Chatham House rules, house rules. There was I dis- probably said too much. Probably- I've said too much already. <laughs> but there were discussions about referees and respect. Well, maybe. Okay. Well, can I suggest there has been discussion outside that meeting about referees and respect. Well, that's timely. Yes. And one of the people who's been discussing it was um, Des Hasler. Yes, he was. <laughs> He's a favourite. <laughs> a favourite of this show, our Des. And now Des, of course, previously has been fined for comments about the referees. And again, the goldfish bowl theory of rugby league that once, once something's happened two years ago, it never happened. So Des is coming out and said, oh, I didn't say anything controversial. Uh, did I? You got fined 25 grand for it. But he said it wasn't controversial. Yeah, this is what he said. Okay. And, and I will do the voice. <laughs> the only thing that we asked to be reviewed was the ruling and inconsistencies around the 10 metres, and we both agreed on that. The NRL were very good. We went through the usual steps and usual processes. The Tupelotic tackle was not even discussed, which seems bizarre. But as the killer, as you suggested, was, I don't remember what I said. <laughs> I wouldn't have said anything controversial. That's for sure. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't remember what he said because it was about five or six years ago where he said, "Where he said, <clears throat> I'm not allowed to talk about referees. I'm not allowed to name them. So uh, let's call them he who shall not be named, Voldemort. Tess <laughs> started calling them Voldemorts a few years ago and he's, he's forgotten about Voldemort and, he's back to t- and he's, now he's naming them. He's saying Benny didn't have a good game. I'm sure Benny would review his game. And Tanya Plibersek has picked up the Voldemort yeah, I so you've got a and with- rightly been put back in place by Elbow. So Voldemort's being picked up all over the place, but I was so moved by Desi's uh, work in the press conference that I had to adapt a song about him. I'd be very pragmatic about this. We have to be very reasonable. Until I know what pragmatic and reasonable means, I'm not saying a word about referees. Desi is a man. I can't think about that one. I've always been a big fan of his. Uh, but the feeling's getting stronger and it's hard to explain. Desi's looking so attractive with that masculine blonde mane. And he's screwing up those eyes. And he's screaming into that headset. I just know it. Ripping up the dressing room door late, late at night. Ooh, crazy things go on in Desi's world. Crazy things go on in Desi's world. That probably goes against the culture and the tradition of the game. Where can I find a bag bag like that? He's whose name you cannot mention. Des likes to bag the referees. I love them. He knows he shouldn't, but he does it anyway. A few years ago, the last time Des got caught, he said he knew they couldn't be named, so he called them Voldemort. Sure, last week's tackle wasn't high, but you can't talk about the referees, Des, you just know it. You can't talk about a 9-2 penalty count late at night. Ooh, the crazy things go on in Desi's world. Crazy things go on in Desi's world. Where can I find a Batman like that in Desi's world? <laughs> Crazy things go on in Desi's world. One of being theatrical. Where can I find a Batman? That's cool. Where can I find a Batman like that? On the back of a 9 2 penalty count, you know, they got leaked back into the game, I thought. He's got the $25,000 fine For what he said about the referee Abdul 
distance, passions run high, but you can't question integrity. So you know, I'm sure Benny uh, will review his game. Tell me, where can I find a madman like that in Desi's world? Crazy things go on in Desi's world. His soul hasn't been cleared. In Desi's world. Take a cease by the home game and say, please do it. Where can I find a madman like that? Yeah, it wasn't high, no. It was a good tackle. They're called a try save. So, what had Ray and his listeners so fired up? Next question. Next question. I can't tell you the truth. I can't tell you the, the, the way that game panned out because I get fined. So, uh, I'm not going to answer any questions. I've done my job. Thanks. Guys, fellas, you talked about the issues happening at, the, at Brisbane. There's one issue that you haven't touched on. It's actually Kevin Walters and his coaching staff got hemorrhoids. Hemorrhoids? So we'll sit down with pain. Ooh, I need one of those O-ring pillows. <laughs> did you see Kevy say during last week that rugby league never sleeps? He no, he's a new young fan. Got, there you go. Well, he did get his um, hemorrhoids treated. Uh-huh. Um, this, was, this is what happened when he, when he got out of treatment. Wow. <laughs> Um, one of the good things about about Penrith being so successful over the last couple of years is that we do get a chirpy Andrew Ison, one of the listeners of the show, and, and the segment after this will have to be forty six Texas because I'm going to take one of the Texas for myself. <laughs> Hi, Andrew. Um, during the Thursday night game, Manly versus Melbourne, Melbourne got out ahead, and Andrew picked this one up from Michael Ennis. I need points here, Manly. They need to get themselves back into the game with some scoreboard points. <laughs> okay, so he's not talking about KPIs. He's talking about actual scoreboard points. Well, that's, yeah, because, you know, other than, you know, the, the relationship between rugby league play and points is sort of difficult to put your fingers on, like how many completions do you need for a game and all that, all that kind yep. of stuff, right? So you get Shane Flanagan's been in the news a lot as one of the brightest rugby league minds around. So this is from a Matty John's podcast. This is him talking about Kyle. And now he's always been one of those elite kids coming through the grades and uh, a, a terrific point scorer. So what he's trying to say is he's a prolific point scorer. Mm. Okay, I thought he was saying soporific. He was a soporific <laughs> point scorer. Well, but as we know, like it's hard, to, it's hard to, to put your fingers on the relationship between rugby league and points. Yep. So he expanded on that. Tries and goals and all that sort of stuff. Uh, <laughs> all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Now, staying on Michael Ennis, right? I'll, one day I'll let this go, but so he uses this walking back cotter as, as the throwback. Again. I, no, he just used it once, but it's once too many, right? So last week I brought up it's Miller time, which was a correct use of, 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 a, of, a, of a catchphrase, right? Are you referring to... Australian Olympian Lockie Miller. Tokyo Olympics, actually, Thank rugby you. sevens. 27 year old. Um, so we had a, a new star in rugby league, Ezra Mam. Yes, Mam. Now. Wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. The Magpies go to the outer side. Lachlan Cooper, short pass. Wham, bam. Thank you, Ezra Mam. 
<laughs> I'm sorry, Pat. That was just an instinctive reaction. What can I do? So no one's used it in first grade. That was actually from his second game of Q Cup. It's fourth try. So it took four tries to get it, but it was from his second game of New South Wales Cup. And give us the reference, Pat, because I know it's close to your heart. Well, Suffragette City by David Bowie. Um, but I think it was it's a it was like a, a colloquial instrument. It was around yeah, for I, I don't think that David he didn't invented. Invent, he didn't invent rhyming. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so let's stay with you know Michael Ennis and using these you know like catchphrases. Um, Chris, I'll play this from the West Tigers game. Hastings, Brooks, here's Laurie. Beautiful. Mamalo digs for the tie. He reaches out and gets there again. Did you pick that one up? Yeah, I did. That was just before halftime, and we went into an inexorable slide the other side of the break. So did you pick up the, the pop, pop culture Beautiful. I heard the beautiful. And yep. the time for salad. Beautiful. <laughs> Fruiter, oh my God. Beautiful. <laughs> Couple of days. Nice one, Ennis. That Connor Fruiterer thing went over about five seasons on the comedy company, and boy, oh boy. Have a look at that. Wait a minute. This one here. Beautiful. <laughs> Did you, get a, did you get a hit of Albie Tallarico in that accent? <laughs> a lot of Albie Tallarico. I walk into the change rooms there. I've got 47 texts. I never turn my phone on after the game, but I thought I just wanted to make sure I wasn't wrong in what I was thinking tonight. 47 texts. Every one of those texts agreed with every fan out there and everything I believe in. Now, just circle over a couple of things right quick. So I need to shout out Ruzi and Mark. Correct. I thought you guys were joking last week. I thought it was. I thought Dennis had punted me from the big chair, and then he's thrown me a bone, saying, oh, "No, it's all right. Everybody likes you." Um, so that's very flattering. Thank you for that. So Bruzy and Mark are mates with Olivia, who works Olivia at Bar, as well. Bar Cleveland, and I'm just suggesting, guys, if you sort of hang around Bar Cleveland, sort of you know early afternoonish on a Tuesday, on a Tuesday, you might do a vox pop if you like. You know, just saying. But uh, thanks for the support, fellas, and. Um, as as we said, we are on. Speaking of inexorable, the inexorable rise of the Redfern Pat Hour. Um, Courtney Chapter it was the one who gave us the photo of Wayne Bennett at the Arara Valley Axemen game against Maxville. Yep. Cheers, Courtney. Sadly, Greg Inglis didn't play. I don't think because he was on Indigenous round duties. Uh, well, so he's he's also part of the Origin Dream Team, the, yeah. along, along with Josh Hanno. Now, that's rough on Hanno. I shouldn't do that. <laughs> Now, we've got this issue to, to cover up on. Kenty, is it just me or does music being played at the stadiums? This is from Velabo. Does music being played at the stadiums get overused? No, it's not just you, Vela, because I hate <laughs> it. And it's me too. No, I, I, I hate agree. it. Look, it's artificial atmosphere. I don't know why we've gone down this, this road where we have to have this fake noise, you know, mm. rock and roll, pump it out during breaks in the game. Just let us enjoy the footy. I agree. I agree. Before we jump into that one, we got to we got to keep in mind that this is Kent's approach to life. You're entitled to be unhappy at home. Be as unhappy as you like. I... Right. So take it take it with <laughs> take it with a pinch of salt. But we have been talking about this Accor Stadium DJ. And before I open up to you guys, I'm just going to run through um, the uh, uh, set list right quick. So we have during the team list, we've got Sabotage by Beastie Boys. You don't sort of hear that around much. We've got California Dreaming, so all the skies are grey, and uh, South Sydney all, fall behind. All the leaves are brown. All the, yep, yep. Um, we've got this while West Tigers are in front. <laughs> we've got 
We've got Serge Gainsbourg, which I think seemed to catch most people's attention. Yeah, Serge Gainsbourg at the footy is not a usual combination. No. Um, this is Serge Gainsbourg, for those who don't know. This is Loella Bush, which means mouth-watering. We've got T-Rex, Children of the Revolution, Bulls on Parade, Supergrass, Run DMC, Harry Nilsson, Leonard Cohen, Earth, Wind & Fire, which is Let's Groove, not Stephen Ferris's Into the, In the Stone. Blitzrig Bop, I Feel Good at Halftime by James Brown, Highway to Hell, Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For, Baker Boy, and then on top of that, you got some other ones sprinkled in, like, you know, this is how we do it, and Robbie Williams, and whatnot. Now, it's good to hear different music, for sure. As is it a bit too much? Do we need to hear Leonard Cohen and Serge Gainsbourg at the football? I think it's a broad church. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. I, 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 yeah. I will... Obviously, Kenty likes. Kenty says he loves music. We, I, I have a quote I can send you of Kenty saying, "What could be better than music in rugby league?" Yeah. Wow. Uh, I, I got to take a, a, a bit of a stand here. Now we work with Stephen Ferris, the doyen of Gam Day DJs, and he'll do a cracking job. Oh yeah. At Origin One, and uh, I think Origin Three, but they're not springing to take him over to Perth. I don't think he's a bit. So he's going to do it remote. The great Davola, Game Day DJ at the Bulldogs. Yes back in the day and I think they understand crowd like when um, Josh Reynolds came back after a long period out of the game off the bench at Belmore as a back to Belmore game and came onto the fanfare from a Macklemore and Lewis song it was absolutely killer I feel the modern game day DJ is falling into that trap of not wanting to do the brief mm-hmm. and wanting to show you know what I'm I, really good no even that, that, what you said like music's a broad church be open minded right and they're obviously trying to have some fun the guy at Acor Stadium plays Tigers go in 6-0. It means nothing to me, Vienna. Then we go up 12-0 and he goes, I still haven't found what I'm looking for, which isn't quite on point. It was what the DJ used to play at North Sydney Oval after they won a game because <laughs> they were still looking for a premiership after, since 1921 and still are. 22. Yeah, sorry. And and so I can play Leonard Cohen at a wedding because so I'm in a what, Leonard Cohen, what Leonard but Cohen I ain't song? going to dance. No. Well, I don't know. It was well, Tower if I were going to dance, it would be um, everybody knows. <laughs> well, yeah, the closest you could get to is probably Hallelujah, right? That would make sense at the end of the game. But he's probably dropping Tower of Song or something like that. <laughs> I mean, and then I, I, I get it, guys, but you've actually got to understand psychology, what your brief is, and you can experiment a little bit. But seriously, the mood was all over the shop out there at Acor Stadium because I was there. Plus, I had to endure a, a nameplate, like a license plate promotion get your customised nameplate and they put up B-U-N-I-E-S Bunies Bunies and then Bunies. they were taking our IP they had on their electronic billboards fire up rabbitos it was really galling uh, uh, this is the sponsorship <laughs> and, a, and a shout out to our sponsors at the rabbitos for- <laughs> thanks, thanks for advertising us rabbitos and and uh, don't get me wrong. I love the Spice Girls, but they got Wannabe got a run at Belmore, back to Belmore, Dragons How versus good. Canterbury. And I'm telling you, this weird evolution in game day DJing as to what constitutes a game day DJ, you've got Kendi, who clearly was on the poster in the, was it a Boo oh. Bailey drawing of Billy Slater in his bed in the and then, Astonisher and on the weekend? It said Elfie, and it was clearly a picture yeah, yeah. of, we should put that on the I'll put it on the Facebook page. This evolution upsets me, it worries me, and it concerns me. In the same way that Jack Bird was not put in the bin for what was clearly a professional foul down the stretch against the Bulldogs. Because the crackdown has crowded out our sim bins that there's no longer room 
for professional fouls. I'm, I'm on my Arara Valley axes again. There's no room for people professional fouling. The fabric of the game is changing. And no wonder Kenny's upset. Because when Ferris and Davola were doing their stuff, everybody had a great time. Everybody enjoyed the wrestle. Rugby league was thriving. Now it's in the dustbin. Well, on the other end of the pool, you've got at Suncorp, every single break in play, they play the sort of instrumental hook bit from the Fratillis, Chelsea Dagger. Like the da 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 They do it every single break in play. Like we're at an English seaside or something. Well, because I was, I don't know about that Belmore game. You weren't there, were you, Chris? No. Well, I was there. And i got to say, the thing I love, I actually loved it. And because there were 16,000 or something, Bulldogs fans, it was sold out, even though they got 27,000 in there a few years ago, or 10 years ago. Um, It was a sellout. And the atmosphere was fantastic. And as Kenji says, they didn't need the artificial atmosphere. So the DJ was actually soft. We heard the PA check at the start of the game, and it was so insanely and unnecessarily loud. And thankfully, they turned it down. So when the crowd was cheering or booing or going Bulldogs, Bulldogs, and Whenever the poor old dragons were lining up for a shot at goal, they were booing. It was wonderful theatre, and the noise was fantastic. And the DJ didn't drown out the crowd. That's the insane thing. When the DJ is trying to make artificial atmosphere, and there is actually atmosphere, and the atmosphere gets drowned out by the DJ, that kills me. If I had an Arara Valley axe, that's what I would grind. But you're saying the Belmore DJ did a good job. Did a good job, and it was great to see. It was great to hear the voice. The voice of Stadium Australia, Steve Allen, was at Belmore, because he's the voice of the Bulldogs as well. A shout out to Steve Allen. How are you, Steve? The great Steve Allen. We should get him on the show. And But I did text you and say, what is this song playing as the conversion Zach Lomax was lining up after 91-game veteran Blake Laurie got his... Broke First his, ever try. Lost his virginity and scored a try. And I go, what's this song? And you go, I don't know. I had no idea what it was. So uh, we move on. Pat? What about just the, this is the final bit I'll add. At Penrith Stadium or one three thousand four hundred whatever stadium it is, <laughs> um, so when Penrith do something good, like even like not necessarily a breaking play, like a drop ball or a big hit, they play like the Panther. <laughs> that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, See, I that's all right. That's fine. I tell you when. Oh, what game was it on the weekend? The Sharks game. So the Sharks Stadium, they normally have a pretty good sound. They normally like the crowd gets into it. <laughs> they were getting towelled by the roosters. And I think Fitzgibbon is the new blue steel. He has one expression and one expression only. It's like, don't give me that look. It's the only look I've got. That's that's pretty much him. That's a quote from the new Top Gun movie which I saw last night and I'm bursting to talk about but I won't. Uh I just did. <laughs> the crowd the crowd was dead. The crowd was being beaten by the roosters. The humiliation it went so quiet. And so they've started they've played over the PA Sharkies, Sharkies. <laughs> and when they start playing pre-recorded chants, you know it's a club in crisis. Don't tell me that this sounds good because of those tannoys that still are annoyingly arranged oh, no, along the fences because it gets in your way when you try the to crowd, The crowd is small and intimate and it's, it's the same as Leichhardt. They boo. They're theatrical. They're pantomime. They love it. They booed enough, but then they were just getting beaten so they went quiet. Dennis, as we wrap up, this is the segment where I offer the listening public another reason to dislike the Parramatta Reels, but they knocked your boys over on the weekend, so yes, they did. I'm handing it to you. Okay. The one thing, thing likeable about the Parramatta Eels is you know that they're flat-track bullies. That's Everything true. else you dislike, but you know that they're flat-track bullies, and so when a team puts it up to them, they'll usually crumble. The Raiders put it up to them, and they didn't. And a couple of weeks ago, the... the 
the Manly Warringah Seagulls took it up to them. And sure, they got legged up, according to Desi, by Benny Cummins, who's going to review his game, apparently. Which is different to being piggybacks, but anyway. Different to being piggybacks. Um, but crucially, at the end of the game, there was a sideline conversion from Mitch Moses. Now, this is what Mitch Moses, his bread and butter is missing pressure kicks. That's what he's been famous for. And he got it for the win. Against the Raiders, they scored a try, they, which took them to even, about 10 minutes to go. Sideline conversion. He got it. If Mitch Moses stops being a flat-track bully and starts actually winning close games, I believe that has taken away the last reason to like the Parramatta Eels and is yet another reason to dislike the Parramatta Eels. Amen. And with that... I'm now completely fired up. And so please join us again next week for Fire Up. And do join Fire Up Rugby League on Facebook and Insta. Fire Up NRL on Twitter. We haven't gotten around to reading reviews. Please send in some reviews and we'll read them out next week. Join the Blowing Up Deluxe Facebook group and join us next week as we fire up. Uh,